I want you to be sold upon the idea. Yes, even though salvation, going to heaven, is a gift, that it's free. You don't earn it, you don't work for it, you cannot buy it. And we're going to heaven because of what Christ did for us. It's not what we do for him. You do not have to change your life. You don't have to promise God to stop something or start something. There's no commitment that you had to make for God to save you. All you had to do is trust him. And when you trusted him, he saves you. He sets you free from the penalty of sin. You never have to pay it. And the devil can never get your soul. You're going to heaven when you die. It's a done deal. Yes, we believe that once you trust Christ as Savior, you're saved forever. And that there's nothing that you have to do to stay saved. In other words, he is able to save me and keep me and present me faultless to the Father. I do not deserve that. I didn't deserve it 50 years ago, and I don't deserve it today, and I will not deserve it tomorrow. That was all because of his love for me. But you do need to know how to answer those who believe that you have been simply given a license to sin. Because there's people who accuse and slam the gospel of grace because it just gives people a license to do whatever they want to do and still get to go to heaven when they die. Now, I know that sounds bad. But can I, as a Christian, live however I want to live and still go to heaven when I die? Yes. He said, well, you shouldn't say that. That just causes people to live like the devil. I don't know about that. I trust the Lord 50 years ago, and I haven't been trying to live like the devil. Uh, these people that are in the choir singing, they've trusted Christ as their Savior. They're not trying to live like the devil. But why are they trying to do right? Why are they here this morning? They don't have to be. Because, see, when you really understand salvation by grace, you understand how much he really loves you. But if you have to do something to keep it, then it's got to be because you love him. And it's your love for him that's keeping your salvation instead of his love for you keeping your salvation. And then you have to get all the credit and honor the glory. Look at what I've done. Instead of he did it all for me because he loved me. So yes, after you trust Christ as Savior and you're God's child, you're going to heaven when you die. You need to understand how as a child of God to learn to make the correct decisions in the midst of a wicked, crooked world in which we live. So take your Bible and look in Romans in chapter 14. The book of Romans in chapter 14. Living by faith is believing that your choice are within the realm of the will of God. In other words, the choices that you make for your life, and God gives you the freedom to make a lot of choices within the realm of the will of God. And within the will of God, there's a, a, there's a lot of room to make a lot of choices that will be right. And God wants you to study his word so that you can learn discernment. How to choose the best decision for your life. Now here in Romans 14, look in verse 22. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. 
Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. In other words, is your conscience clear when you give yourself permission to do the things you choose to do? You see, you have to give yourself permission to make whatever decisions you make. I want to go here. I want to go there. I give myself permission to do whatever I do. When you give yourself permission, does your conscience agree that it was the right thing? Or does your conscience tell you you're guilty because it was the wrong thing? Because you can give yourself permission to do the wrong thing. There's things you know to do that's right, and you won't do it. And the Bible says, and we talked about this last week, about what is sin. And you can do the wrong thing, but you know what was right. And you do it anyway. So we're making decisions all the time. And these decisions affect our life. Our life. There's a God in heaven that didn't just save you. And then he's got other things to do. You no know, other worlds and galaxies. And he's busy over there on the other side of the universe. And then we're just down here doing whatever we want to do. And then after it's all over, we're going to meet him one day. He is intricately involved in every decision you make. He's watching. Listening. And many of the things that will happen in your life is because God either directed or permitted things to happen in your life. I believe in the providence of God. I don't think he just wound up the world and let us tick in like a time bomb and then he's busy doing something else. No, I believe that God loves me and I'm his child. And he knows everything that's happening in my life. I live believing that because I believe it's taught in the word of God. Look at that word again. Happy. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which you allow. Do you realize why a lot of people are not happy in life? Because they're filled with guilt. And guilt is like a yoke of iron upon your shoulders. And it weighs you down until it destroys. You see, there's peace and there's joy. There's happiness. When you're not loaded with guilt and you don't condemn yourself and that which you permitted yourself to do. But we do these things. So he says here in verse 23, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. In other words, you and I are supposed to believe that whatever we do, it's the will of God. And if you don't have the faith that it is the will of God, then you have the faith that it's not the will of God. And if it's not the will of God, why did you do it? Because you and I are commanded in the scripture to live by faith. The just, those who have been saved by faith, are to live by faith. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord by faith, so walk ye in him. So we have that responsibility. Look at the little statement I wrote here. Since no one can make all of your decisions for you, it is imperative that you learn how to make the right ones for yourself. Here are some biblical principles I believe are taught in the word of God that will help you discern right from wrong. Because the preacher can't walk around and hold your hand. I don't have anybody to walk around and hold mine. you got to learn how to stand on your own two feet. You have to learn how to walk with God. You see, there's a lot of things that are right and wrong. But I do not like to set a whole bunch of rules and regulations for people. I have very few. When you want to be a leader... Look out, because I have some of them.
I have a lot of requirements that I think is scriptural, what God says not to do, or what He wants them to do. But the rest of the people that are not committed to a position of leadership, I just don't believe sometimes people are ready yet. So you can float, do whatever you want, come and go, but I require those who know Christ as Savior and are leaders to especially be faithful. Now, there's things that you do in life, a lot of decisions about things. And you might not think, I don't see anything wrong with this or wrong with that, and somebody else might. So it's easy to make a whole bunch of rules and regulations. A lot of churches have them. But I try to stay away from as much as possible because I want people to make the decisions. How godly do you want to be? How spiritual do you want to be? I never told the people in church how many hours that I spend in prayer. Because if I told somebody I spend four hours every morning in prayer, you'd think, boy, if I want to be spiritual, i got to spend four hours every morning in prayer. That ain't true. Well, I read the Bible one hour every day before a meal. So that's what I got to do. I get up every morning at four o'clock and have my quiet time. Next thing you know, you think, well, I got to get up at four. You don't want to live your life by somebody else's rules. Living by grace is when you do what you do because you believe this is the will of God for me. This is what God wants me to do. And your conscience needs to be clear. Now, there's, you've heard me say before, there's things that I don't do. There's places that I don't go. You may give yourself permission, and it doesn't bother you one iota. It's fine. But see, in my mind, there's things that will bother me if I did the same thing. So I haven't given myself permission to do certain things because I don't believe it's the will of God for me. I have set a high standard for myself. I want to be an example of what I believe faithfulness and loyalty and love, evangelism, you name it, of what a Christian ought to be. I believe that's my responsibility. Not only am I a Christian, I want to live like one, the way a Christian ought to live in every area of my life. Doing that causes people to take pot shots at you. They're always waiting for that mistake that you make so that they can shoot you off your little perch. But of course, if you never commit yourself to do anything, to be anything, nobody will ever bother you. Nobody will shoot at you because they won't even know you. You're a Christian. Well, I want everybody to know I'm one. But look at 1 Corinthians in chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Just turn to your right. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And notice verse 31. Whatever, therefore, you eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, you ought to underline this part of the verse, unless you want to learn, underline the whole verse. Do all to the glory of God. Now, this is simply a principle, because there's some things that it doesn't say in the Bible what to do or what not to do. In our day, uh, we may have things that they didn't have, you know, 2,000 years ago, but you might have to decide. Should I or should I not? Is it wise or unwise? But you don't want to do that which you condemn yourself for doing. Because that produces the guilt that takes away the happiness and the joy and the peace. You say, well, I got the right to do anything I want to do. Yeah, you're free to make the choice. Free to make the choice. 
But all choices have consequences. Understand it. There may be a God in heaven that says, well, if you'd have studied and knew this verse, you wouldn't have done that. But because you didn't study it, you didn't know. And ignorance of the law is no excuse. Or ignorance of the word of God is no excuse. Did you know if a lost man applies biblical principles to his life, it can get the same results if a Christian does it? Did you know that you can take some seeds? A Christian can take some corn and plant it in the ground. And a lost man can take some corn and plant it in the ground. And if it rains on both of them, both of them can grow. You say, this is deep. If a saved man and a lost man go outside and it's raining, they're both going to get wet. It rains upon the just and the unjust. And God says in the book of Romans in chapter 2 that his goodness to man is what leads a man to repentance. To change his mind about God because he's so good. So he's laid down some principles for us. So whatsoever you do in word or deed or drink, he says do it all for his glory. In other words, he is glorified. He is pleased with that decision. And when you know God is pleased, you'd be surprised at the peace that you'll have. Because you know you're pleasing the one that has everything in his hands and he can control. And he can open up doors and he can close doors. He can give you good help and he can allow you to have bad help. He says in the word, some are sick. Some are weak. Some are dead. It means that some are sick by the will of God. And some are dead by the will of God. So can you live as you please and get away with it? Oh, no, 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 no. Never think you can. But can you live as you please? Yeah. But there's a price to pay. But understanding why should you make a better decision, a wise decision. Look there in Colossians. The book of Colossians in chapter 3. Let me just say this about the uh, thing about whatsoever you eat. <laughs> I want to get in trouble, just say something about eating. I can surely get in trouble about that. Do you eat to meet a need? Or do you eat to meet a want? There's a difference. We eat because we need to eat. If we don't eat, we die. But do you eat what you need to eat? Or do you just simply eat whatever you want? And you know that if you just eat whatever you want, as much as you want, whenever you want, there's a price to pay. Yes or no? Yes, there is. And so when you sit down and you eat and when you get full, you're satisfied. Stop. Just because you still got five items on your plate. Well, so I don't want it to go to waste. It will. It will. You'll either burn it or wear it. So um, the next time you go through the line or whatever you do, you think, I want to eat what I need. Now, you need some food. And there's a lot of freedom God's given to us about food. But learning how to say enough is enough. When's enough enough? I like when these beer commercials coming in. Know when to say when. I know when to say when. Don't take the first one. And you don't have to worry about it. I will never become an alcoholic if I never take the first drop. 
So by doing so, I have lived long enough to understand that there's a few restraints in my life that I've never had a regret for. I could regret if I do something that I shouldn't do and then I don't know how to say no or how to quit and I become addicted. What if I just try some drugs? You know, if I want to quit, I'll quit. But what if I can't quit now? What if I just take a little social drink and the more I drink, the more sociable I get? And after a while, I'm very sociable. But now, is it wise? Do I have a right? You're free. God has set us free. But he says, don't use your liberty, your freedom, as a cloak of maliciousness or as a stumbling block. So we can do whatever we want. You're free. Because God did not save you or me. Because we predetermined that we would serve him and not do certain things and we would do other things. There was no condition on our salvation. We were free. I, as a child of God, I don't have to serve him. I do not have to go to church. And I do not have to give any money. And I do not have to pray. And I don't have to read my Bible. And I'll still go to heaven because he loved me that much. And nobody can make me do it. God can't even make me do it. He can only make me suffer consequences for my stupidity. But because he loves us, he loves us enough to give us freedom. And he says, if, if you love me, if you love me, serve me. If you love me. Now, if you don't love him, all your legalism in the world ain't going to work for you. It ain't going to make you spiritual or godly. It's just going to make you a, a man of the law that lays down the strictness of the law and no freedom. And it kills. And that's why a lot of people rebel against it. I despise the legalism. And yet that doesn't mean that I don't have standards or convictions or live by biblical principle. Here in Colossians, I want you to look in chapter 3. Look in verse 17. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So you give thanks to the Lord by Jesus Christ because of him. Now, if that doesn't motivate you, then nothing's going to motivate you. But what I want you to notice is something very important here. In verse 18, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband, as it is fit in the Lord. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives, be not bitter against them. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, in verse 21, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Verse 22, servants. Verse 23, it hit all of us. Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, get this, as to the Lord, not unto men. So when it talks about wives... Submitting yourselves to the husband, do it as unto the Lord. Look in verse 24. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, and you ought to underline, for ye serve the Lord Christ. When he says, children, obey your parents, for ye serve the Lord. Serving the Lord, teenagers, is obedience to God. That is serving the Lord when you obey. Husbands, love your wives. Loving your wife is serving the Lord. So if you don't 
submit yourself to your husband as good wives ought to. You're not serving the Lord. And if you do not love your wives as you ought to, you're not serving the Lord in that area of your life. Children that do not obey their parents are not serving the Lord in that area of their life. In some areas you may obey, in some areas you disobey. Now I know there's some people that teach he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. That isn't true. I've had children, I've got grandkids. In some areas they obey, in some areas they don't. And you're the same way. Some of your areas of your life you are obedient. In some areas of your life you're not. You pick and choose. But look down here in that verse again. In verse 24, knowing, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive. But you should also know that if you don't do what God says do for his honor and for his glory, you will not receive what God has for you. That's why he even talks about husband and wives. Be right with the Lord. Because if you don't, then your prayers will be hindered. First Peter chapter 3. So important. I could get lost in some of these verses, but I'm going to move right along. First Corinthians in chapter 8. Look in First Corinthians chapter 8. Just turn to your left there very quickly. Look in verse 9. He says in verse 9, But take heed lest by any means this, get this, liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. See, not everybody's strong. Not everybody's as strong as you are. And some people, if they did the same thing that you permit yourself to do, and it doesn't bother me. Okay, but could it bother somebody else to the point that they could become weak and stumble because of it and go further than you would go? You see, there's the cliff right there. Now, some people get exhilaration trying to see how close they can get to the cliff without falling over. There's just something about, you know, living dangerously, living on the edge. I know, but what if somebody else is on the edge and they just go just another step too far? And so he says, you know, maybe not for you, but because you love somebody else. And they're weaker in the Lord. They're not as strong. Maybe you ought to back up from that edge for their sake. Because you love them. Because you want the best for them. If you restrain yourself from doing that, what punishment is there? But if you go too far, there is a great punishment. A lot of great damage. How much suffering have I gone through in my life because I missed out on taking a drink? Boy, I've lost a lot. I've suffered a lot because I never drank. Because I never had a cigarette in my mouth and I've never tasted I have no clue what it's like. Boy, I've literally left out. I mean, it's just a... Poor life that I've had because of that. I don't wake up in the morning coughing and hacking. I don't have lung cancer. Now let me tell you this. I'm not, I'm not trying to brag. I'm trying to help people. I'm going on 68 years. No, I'm only 68. I'm going on 69. It don't matter. I'm up there. At this point in my life, and I want you to understand this. My heart rate averages between 50 and 60. All the time. My blood pressure is about 110, 120 over 60, 65. All the time. I don't have headaches. I don't have any medical problems. I'm not diabetic. I don't have to take any kind of medicine for anything. I don't have high cholesterol. I'm fine. But I do have to watch myself. 
I believe that serving the Lord and putting Him first in my life does make a difference physically. And if I don't watch myself, I can go downhill real quick. Now, I may die tomorrow of something. I've got to die something. But I'm going to thank the Lord and praise the Lord for what He has done for me. And the things that I have restrained myself from doing, I believe, would have hurt me or harmed me. I simply believe that I can do more for the Lord longer if I stay healthier. Now, is something wrong with me? I don't think it's wrong to think the way I'm thinking. Like Paul made a statement about women. He said, I would that all of them were like me. Leave them all alone. I believe that people would do better if they did love the Lord more. And they disciplined themselves to watch themselves, guard themselves. And it'll keep you from a lot of addictions that you don't need. It probably would take away a lot of medicine you don't need. Now some of it, I'm not a doctor, I'm just simply telling you that I know enough that it can affect you physically when you don't do right spiritually. The guilt of permitting yourself to do what, whatever you want to do can take its toll upon you in time. It can wear that body down so that body can't go. Now like I said, I, I may die tomorrow or the next week, but I am going to praise the Lord today for what He has done. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But I do believe that it will make a difference in your life if you try some of the biblical principles in the Word of God. And to live where you can forgive other people. Live without bitterness and hatred and the grudges, the meanness and the unkindness. You can do this. You can do this. So he says there in verse 9, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. And there's a lot of weak people in this world. I don't believe that I've hurt anybody in this life by my staying away from certain things that could maybe more harm me, but it might cause somebody else to be harmed. I want my love for them to discipline me because I care. If you don't care about nobody, well then you can do whatever you want to do. But there's a price to pay. Look there in Romans 14 and verse 13. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. And look in verse 13. I covered some of these verses not long ago, but I want to hit it one more time. Look in verse 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore. But judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. So God doesn't want us to put stumbling blocks in a person's way. Now, when we started off this morning, I was talking about whatsoever is not a faith, it is sin. Because if you give yourself permission to do something you know is not the will of God, then it's sin. Because it wasn't a faith. You did not have the confidence that this is within the will of God. So look there in chapter 15 of Romans, and verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmity of the weak. And yet, get this, not to please ourselves. Well, I've got my rights. I can do it if I want to. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about what pleases you. We're talking about what pleases God. We're talking about the effects that our lives have upon other people. And he says in verse 2, let every one of us 
please his neighbor for, get this, his good to edification. Because we want to build them up. Edify doesn't mean edify. It means to beautify what's there and add to it. You want to encourage people to do what's right. To build them up. To have them spiritually strong. So important. Let's just go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I, I realize that I'm never going to finish all of this today, but that's okay. You still got the notes and you'll go home and study those all week. I know you will. But 1 Thessalonians, I want you to look at this verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. There's a lot of little short sentences through here. A whole bunch of them. Let's just start there in verse 16. Verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, in everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Uh-oh. Underline verse 22. Abstain. Abstain. I wonder what that word means. Don't do it. Abstain from, get this, all appearance of evil. Now, when Jesus Christ was here, he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day and ate some corn, and in the minds of all the people that were around, uh, that was a bad thing. Now, it wasn't a bad thing, but it had the appearance of evil in the minds of a bunch of hypocrites. Now, Jesus didn't change it for them. He wouldn't have done it anyway. He even... Heal people on the Sabbath day. They said, you can't do that. So he didn't change it because they thought it was wrong. You see, you've got to balance things. Uh, there's some people that are just nitpicky. I don't care what you do. They'll find fault with you. There's always somebody that tries to find fault in the lives of everybody else. And they go around through life... Trying to blow out everybody else's little light. They think their light shines brighter if yours isn't working at all. Your light's no brighter just because you blew out lights on somebody else. So he says, abstain from all appearance of evil. In other words, if it doesn't look good, if it causes somebody to think something that's not right because they're weak in the Lord, learn to think. Have good judgment. Learn discernment. Is this something that's going to bring honor and glory to the Lord? Is this something I need to do? So you weigh these things in your own mind. I'm not talking about you weighing things in everybody else's life. Because we're not to be judges in everybody else's life. Every one of you in here, if you trusted Christ to save you, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And he's probably enough. And he is working. When you please the Father... The joy of the Holy Spirit will give you joy. When you don't please the Father and you quench the Spirit, you quench the joy, the peace, the love, the happiness. Everything that you want is quenched. And you wonder, why I'm, why am I happy? Maybe you need to do some an inventory of yourself and find out, what am I doing? How am I living? What are my decisions? What am I making? Who am I living for? What's the purpose of why I do what I do? And maybe you're permitting yourself to do things that God doesn't want you to do. But there's no clear verse that says, thou shalt not do this. I don't need a verse. All I need is biblical principles to help me to think, to be responsible, to look further, to look deeper.
I would think if God had a list a mile long, if he left out any one thing, well, that means I can do that. I can do that because he didn't say that one, so I get to do that. Hebrews chapter 12. Right, you look at it real quick. You just got to look at this verse. This is good. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and look in verse 1. He's talking about us walking by faith, living by faith from chapter 10 all the way through chapter 11. Examples of those in the Hall of Faith chapter. Living by faith. And so now he's boiling it down to you and me. Wherefore, brethren, he says, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, those Old Testament saints in chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, set down on the right hand of the throne of God. He says, um, you're, you're running a race. You got some weights. You can run with weights if you want to, but chances are you're not going to win. You're going to get tired out pretty fast. So most people who run races, uh, they just strip down to as low as they can in just tennis shoes, not clod hoppers, not a bunch of weights hanging on to both arms. They don't want any excess weight. Now, Christians, God says just lay aside every, every weight that would hinder you. That's because you're running the race. Now, if you're not interested in running the race, if you're not interested in serving God, if you're not interested in pleasing Him, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. It won't matter. Who cares? God's just going to beat the tar out of you. That's all. But that's okay. Because you can't live as you please to get away with it. There's a price to pay. The one that I think is very important is Romans chapter 13. Look at this one real quick. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Remember one day I took my coat off and I hung it up here in the air? And it fell to the floor? That's because I didn't have anything there to hang it on. I was trying to hang it on air. Now I can lay it up here, but I can't hang it here. Because there's no provision for it. This is a provision. The floor, yeah, it can hold it. That's why when I walk in the house, I take it off and I throw it here and I throw it there and I throw it there. And my wife comes behind me, Yankee, why don't you hang that up? Why don't you hang that up? That's, that's why we married these women. No. Boy, I've had to learn a few things. You know, a woman can make you pay for not picking up your stuff and doing right and so forth. And so I thought, you know, it took me 50 years to get that woman the way she is. And she's thinking it took me 50 years to get Yankee the way I want him. Probably have worked on each other. But Romans in chapter 13, look what he says in verse 14. He says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Don't make it possible to get in trouble. Don't go to places that you can get in trouble. Try to watch yourself. Never trouble trouble until trouble troubles you. But some people just look for trouble. And then they always whine because everything's falling apart in my life. What kind of choices are you making? Check and see how you're thinking. And you'll find out that you, maybe you're making provision to get in trouble. You're giving yourself the opportunity. Maybe you're around the opposite sex more than you should be. Or maybe you say things you shouldn't say to them. Maybe you tell dirty jokes. Maybe you watch filth. You say, well, it doesn't say in the Bible about shall not watch porn. Are you making a possibility 
for the lust of the flesh? Think. There's biblical principles that we use in the Word of God to help to make decisions so that you can do right. Another one is, will it grieve the Holy Spirit? Will it grieve Him? But remember, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. And when the Holy Spirit indwells you, you don't want to grieve Him. You don't want to grieve Him. By doing things you're not supposed to do, or quench the Spirit by not doing what He wants you to do. There's two words. Grieve, quench. And as a child of God, you can do both. You can not obey Him, not do the things He wants you to do. So you quench. And when you quench the Holy Spirit, you mean you're, you're keeping yourself from the love, the joy, the peace, and all the fruits of the Spirit. When you do serve the Lord, then you can have all of that. So as you go through life, are you... Happy or are you miserable? If you're miserable, good. You ought to be. If you're joyful in the Lord and you're excited about the things, good. You're supposed to be. You see, it's a result of your choices. It's where you are mentally. Are you trusting the Lord? Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Come from Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 and 4. And verse 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee. Trust ye in the Lord Jehovah, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Good stuff. That's why we study these things. Uh, look in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28. How many believe the Lord's coming back soon? Let me see your hand. You believe the Lord's coming? Some of you are not sure. Some of you don't even believe he's coming. Some of you don't have a right hand. How many of you believe Christ is coming back? Let me see your hand. All right, that's better. That's so much better. Man, I love it when people cooperate. You see, there was a little spirit of rebellion in you. I'm joshing you now. 1 John chapter 2, look in verse 28. Little children abide in him. That means while you're here, live in him. Live in the Lord. Let the Lord live in you. And he says this, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed. So in your notes there, will it eventually cause you shame? Whatever you give your permission to do, it doesn't matter how society looks at things. It's going to boil down to how does God see it? And the Bible talks about proving those things that are acceptable unto God. What does he accept? What does he accept? What does he not accept? And will you be ashamed before him? when he, If he came right now, are there things in your life that you haven't taken care of? You'd be ashamed to get to the judgment seat of Christ. And what if, what if we find out everybody will know what you have done, even though it's been forgiven. But what if everybody knows what you've done? Whew. If he's going to reward us for what we've done, we're going to suffer the loss of what we didn't do. I don't know what all is going to happen in the judgment seat of Christ. I like to picture it's just going to be one big joyful event. But it may not be. I may be wrong. I know we're going to be there. I know he's keeping the books. I don't want to be ashamed before the Lord at his coming. Look at the last statement I have down here. The questions. Ask yourself this. Did I really pray about it? Do I really want God's will? Do I really believe this decision to be right? Don't go through life. Half-heartedly. Don't just nonchalantly just do whatever you want to do. Think things through. 
Be patient. Talk to the Lord. Learn to wait upon the Lord. Let God open. Let God provide. See what God has. Let God open doors and close doors. Don't get a sledgehammer. Let me tell you something. My wife and I had been married for 50 years. The other day we went out to the motorhome and we opened it up to see what was in the back end of it because I had put some stuff in there and I couldn't remember what I put in here. And we know we're moving, so we've got to see what's in the back of the motorhome. Well, the thing would keep going down and those little things that were supposed to hold it up, it wouldn't hold it up. So my dear darling wife, she went over to the corner of the garage and she got this big old sledgehammer. And she stuck it right down here and she put it up there and it braced the door. And I'm in there looking and so forth. And, and she had gotten down doing something, looking at something. And I was through. And so I, I lifted it up to let it down and the handle came down. And there's my wife. And it hit her right across the top of the head. So yes, I have hit my wife in the head with a sledgehammer. And you want to know how come she's so obedient. I felt so bad. She did too. <laughs> she had a headache for a couple of days. And that was just this week. I do not recommend hitting your wife with a sledgehammer. But now, if God can't get your attention, do you know he just liable to have to hit you over the head with a two before? If I don't work, then they'll sledgehammer. But God loves you, and he's not going to let you alone. You are already feeling the response of God in your life. Whether you know it or you don't know it, the Lord is working. And he's either blessing or he's withholding. You're in his hands. He loves you too much to let you go. So he's going to Bless you real good and give you joy and peace and happiness because you know you're doing right. But when your conscience has that guilty feeling because you know you're not doing like you're supposed to be doing, it robs you of all that you want. And you'll want to, I just don't know why I'm not happy. Just not happy. Well, happiness sometimes comes from happenings. Joy comes from the Lord. Happiness sometimes is because of what's happening. And if things are not happening right, then you're, you're not happy. But, buddy, the joy of the Lord is a totally different thing. Look up here. Now, most of you in here, I know you've already trusted Christ as Savior. You know you have eternal life. You're going to heaven when you die. But if you're here this morning and you've never trusted the Lord, maybe you've heard it a thousand times, but listen very closely. Letting this hand represent you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. Now, God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. And God wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God, and none of us are perfect. None of us are good enough. We have never done anything good enough to go to heaven. We have all done things good enough to go to hell. Because we've all sinned, we're all condemned. God says you can't save yourself. That's why you need a Savior. The sins that you committed and I committed, we'd have to pay for them. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin, because it separates us from us. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, and said if we believe, he did it for us. It put this payment to our account. We get to go to heaven on what he did. It's what he did. So I'm asking you, 
Will you trust Jesus Christ to take you to heaven whenever you die? Will you believe he died and paid for all of your sins? If you believe he did it for you, he said he would save you from hell, give you eternal life, and you get to go to heaven on what he did for you. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted the Lord, would you just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. I'll never be good enough. But I believe Jesus Christ died on that cross and paid for my sins. And this morning, right now, I am going to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, God said if you would trust him, he would save you. Will you trust him? If you're making that decision, I'd like to have prayer for you. I'm not going to have you forward, not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sitting. Say, yes, that made sense to me. And preacher, I'd like you to pray for me in closing. Would you slip your hand very quickly? Put it right back down. Hand one at all. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. Don't worry, I'll just slip it up real quick. Just so I can see it. I'll just look around just a little bit. Sometimes I don't always see too good. Our Father, we do thank you so much for each person here. And Lord, I pray that these things, these biblical principles, will help each person to learn how to discern things in their life, what they should and should not do, because of how much you mean to them. Help us not to be judges in everybody else's eyes or in their life, but Father, just to do what we do because we care about each other. Help us not to be stumbling blocks. We just commit this service to you and this message to the people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.